It is 7.42 a.m. here in Seoul, Korea. And this is the exact quote from President Trump. More importantly than the document, I have a good relationship with Kim Jong-un. I gave him a very direct number. He can now call me if he has any difficulty. This was a quote from President Trump while speaking to reporters on the White House lawn last Friday. Regardless of whether he really calls Chairman Kim Jong-un or not, what should we make of the U.S. president's all of a sudden good relationship with his North Korean counterpart following their first ever summit last week. And let's bring in Ambassador David Adelman, who served in Singapore from 2010 to 2013 for further discussions. Good morning, Mr. Adelman. Hi, good morning. Good morning. Um, As I just mentioned, President Trump said he gave us a very direct number to North Korean leader Kim Jong-un and suggested that I plan to call Kim on Sunday, although it doesn't seem like it actually yet to be happened. Uh, What does it mean that they call each other now? Well, I don't know what it means that they call each other now, but um, uh, I think the sentiment uh, expressed by President Trump Uh, was that he um, believes it's important that he have a personal rapport with uh, Kim Jong-un and that somehow that personal uh, rapport and personal relationship might um, help to uh, uh, lead to um, progress with regard to denuclearization and, you know, other um, issues of importance to the world when um, uh, dealing with and uh, potentially negotiating with the North Korean regime. Ambassador, just like you have mentioned that uh, President Trump and uh, North Korean leader Kim Jong-un might have developed their personal relationship, but uh, can we see this as an establishment of a hotline between Washington and Pyongyang? You know, I don't know. That's a very good question. Um, I'm not sure I would quite describe it uh, in those terms, nor do I necessarily think having a a direct hotline between the two countries' leaders would be most constructive. Uh, I think um, at this point, uh, you know, time will tell whether the summit last week leads to any progress. And In my opinion, the progress is most likely to come if there are um, further negotiations and confidence-building measures that happen at the lower level uh, of diplomacy rather than at the summit level. So um, Trump said uh, in his rhetoric, more importantly than the document, I have a good relationship with Kim Jong-un. But um, in the world of high-level diplomacy, is it conventional to consider having a good relationship more importantly than having a signed document? And what do you think about that? Uh, Another good question. Um, Look, I suppose it's conventional to have uh, both a, you know, well-understood and specific uh, sort of structural and documented way to move forward. Mm-hmm. But it's not unconventional for uh, there to be some value given to the, uh, as I say, uh, personal rapport and um, sort of relationship and uh, that, that exists. But, 
You know, for the most part, you know, negotiations of this type are not really based on trust. They are based on verification. And um, documents are important, um, but in the end of the day, documents uh, and commitments in documents that are not verified are, uh, you know, are really just pieces of paper. So, you know, I, I want to be very generous with the President of the United States and say that his um, comments uh, about a personal relationship and maybe a personal relationship being worth more than a document are really um, his way, I, I hope, his way of trying to urge the um, negotiations forward towards um, sort of more uh, direct and verifiable um, actual progress. And uh, as we all know, the U.S. has suspended its large-scale joint military exercise with South Korea, which President Trump claimed as his offer, which was a very surprising news for Korea and its allies, which is a very important issue. And he called it a war game. So um, what do you think about this, uh, his calling name, war game? Yes, and by most accounts, it was a surprise even to uh, uh, the president's own secretary of defense at the Pentagon. So, look, um, of all the things that came out of the uh, face-to-face meeting that some had held in Singapore last week, I think the most uh, the issue of greatest concern um, is uh, the president's uh, announcement that he had, um, as you've mentioned, without uh, unexpectedly, I suppose. Uh, agreed to suspend um, the largest uh, uh, joint military exercises the United States engages in in Asia. Um, the Usually twice annual joint military exercises with the Republic of Korea. And um, he even used language that uh, was quite surprising mm-hmm. uh, to most of us who um, spend a lot of time on these issues and find those exercises to be extremely important. Um, by referring to them, as you've said, not as joint military exercises or readiness exercises, but rather referring to them as war games, which is the type of language you hear from Chongyang and sometimes from Beijing. Um, So I I think his description of those very important exercises that have served um, both uh, the people of the Republic of Korea and the United States, and frankly, have served uh, friends and allies of the United States in all of East Asia quite well. Um, it's very unfortunate, and my, I, I suppose I wish he had not used that language. Hmm. And um, President Trump has actually been talking much about the cost that's going into defending its allies, and he did mention in Singapore saying that if we suspend or stop um, this joint military exercise with South Korea that will save tremendous amount of cost that's going in between uh, South Korea and the U.S. military exercise. And do you think saving money um, did have an impact on President Trump's thought on suspending this drill? Well, I certainly hope not. Uh, this was another aspect of the president's presentation I suppose, in the hour or two um, after the summit, uh, when he was speaking with uh, journalists, that was quite uh, unfortunate. Um, Cost of 
military exercises and costs of uh, helping our friends and allies around the world with security uh, is um, not altogether without any importance, but must be considered in the fullest context. And in this context, I think the mere suggestion that somehow um, the United States would uh, compromise its historic um, um, security arrangements uh, that, for the most part, have been in place for more than 70 years now in the Western Pacific, based on cost, is quite unfortunate and um, undoubtedly caused concerns in uh, capitals around the world, capitals of the friends and allies of the United States. So it's very hard to explain why the president would have made um, that reference. And it's especially difficult to reconcile with the fact that President Trump, uh, just this year, uh, has made it such a priority of his to increase uh, America's uh, annual military spending. Uh, he proposed uh, a budget that uh, uh, dramatically increased the money appropriated for the United States Department of Defense. In fact, uh, quite remarkably, he proposed a budget with um, an increase in spending even beyond that which was sought by America's military leaders. He often talks about the need for uh, construction of our uh, U.S. Navy vessels, he speaks about the need for construction of more United States Air Force and United States Navy aircraft. Uh, he has, you know, spoken in terms of a dramatic increase in the buildup of American military might. So I don't know quite how to square that with some of what he had to say last week. And uh, a lot of people, um, including me, of course, are concerned about uh, North Korea's notorious human rights abuse. And uh, there is no detailed guide about how to improve the human rights in North Korea. So do you think President Trump was just simply being diplomatic here? Again, I, you know, um, America's record standing up for human rights around the world, I think, is a strong one and one of which uh, Americans can be proud um, there's no question that uh, North Korea and Kim Jong-un uh, and his father and grandfather had miserable um, records on human rights. And we have every reason to believe, as you know, that the human rights crisis in North Korea continues. It's unclear to me why the president seemed to de-emphasize human rights. Again, I suppose to be generous to uh, President Trump, we could say that he was there on a mission that related solely to security and in particular solely to arms control and, and uh, arms control related to the development of uh, nuclear arms and a delivery systems or a, a missile program that could deliver a nuclear warhead a great distance. And he somehow has compartmentalized uh, other issues, including the human rights issues. I would suggest it's a false choice. I would suggest that you um, need not choose between uh, arms control and human rights, but rather in negotiating um, with Kim Jong-un uh, uh, that uh, all of these issues in many ways are inextricably uh, intertwined. Uh, and it made many people in America very sad uh, when President Trump seemed to de-emphasize the human rights issues 
because uh, America, as a champion of uh, human rights and uh, similar causes around the world, has taken, again, such a great pride in our values and our ethos. And uh, U.S. Secretary Pompeo uh, visited China after leaving Seoul last week. And how important is it for the U.S. to work together with and uh, engage in regional players such as South Korea, China, Japan, and Russia to bring about the North's complete denuclearization? So this is the most uh, important part of this whole um, uh, situation. Uh, America cannot go it alone. America cannot succeed alone. America is best when we are working um, directly with our friends and allies and engaging our counterparts who may not be friends uh, or allies. Um, we are part of the world community. Uh, we are a, a big country uh, we, with a very powerful economy, with a very strong military, with a very attractive uh, culture around the world. Um, but we are just one country uh, in the world. We try to lead, but we can only lead when we have uh, um, the support and, and, and the benefits brought to us by our friends and allies. And in Northeast Asia, uh, our friends in uh, Tokyo and Seoul are at the top of the list. Right. And lastly, uh, President Trump is embroiled in various political and legal troubles at home. Uh, we heard that on his birthday, New York's Attorney General filed a lawsuit against Trump Foundation. And uh, do you think such events will impact on the Trump administration's North Korean policy? Well, they may. Look, every, every uh, world leader has uh, domestic politics to consider. Uh, President Moon in your country is no exception. And President Trump is certainly no exception. Um, the challenges associated with the investigation of uh, the election in 2016 and some of President Trump's uh, um, uh, businesses uh, undoubtedly hangs over his head. Uh, it would be um, a shame uh, if um, pressures associated with uh, those investigations somehow had a, a, a material impact on America's uh, foreign policy. Um, uh, but I think um, uh, we all live in a real world where... All uh, okay, Mr. Ambassador, I think uh, we'd love to hear you from more about it. We have uh, only limited amount of time. And that was Ambassador David Adelman. Thank you for joining us, and we'll be coming back shortly.